Technically, the 2022 NFL season is already past the midway point, but with the Seahawks heading into their bye week in week 11, it's time for some midseason report cards, starting on the offensive side of the football on our Tuesday edition of Locked on Seahawks. You are Locked on Seahawks, your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, 12s. This is Corbin Smith, your host for Locked On Seahawks. Thanks to all the 12s out there for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. And if you're a new listener, glad to have you on board for our Tuesday episode. Jam-packed episode coming your way. It might be the bye week, but there's still tons to talk about. It's time for some mid-season report cards going to break down Seattle's offensive position groups after the first 10 games of the 2022 season. So quarterbacks, running backs, receivers, and of course the big fellows up front along the offensive line and tight ends as well. Going to get to all of those position groups on our episode today, which is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. Pick two to five players, and if they score more or less than their Prize Picks projection, you can win up to 10 times your money on your entry. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code Locked On. That's prizepicks.com, promo code Locked On. Now for your lead story here on the opening drive of our Tuesday episode of Locked on Seahawks. The trade deadline passed a few weeks ago, but the Seahawks are going to be adding some premium talent to their secondary coming out of the bye week. After a couple weeks at practice, Trey Brown has finally made it all the way back from patellar tendon surgery almost a year to the day when he suffered that injury in a Week 11 loss to the Arizona Cardinals last November. Trey Brown was activated to the 53-man roster today to kick off Seattle's bye week. They had a roster opening with Cullen Gillespie being placed on the 50 or on the injured reserve list on Saturday. So they had an opening on the 53-man roster, did not need to make any other corresponding moves. And on the surface, this might not necessarily seem like an addition that's going to immediately upgrade Seattle's defense because Tariq Woolen has been such a superstar as a rookie. Mike Jackson has been a revelation on the left side, uh, the place that Sidney Jones played late last year. Trey Brown started there before his injury. Jackson has played really well. So it's going to be difficult for Trey Brown to push either one of those players. I mean, Tariq Woolen, right cornerback, is his spot. The Seahawks are not going to be making a change over there. And Mike Jackson has played really well. At the same time, we're talking about a player here in Trey Brown that before his injury last season, this kid was a game changer for Seattle's defense in five games and three starts at left cornerback. Ten tackles, a pass breakup, allowed a 47% completion rate in coverage. No touchdowns, had a couple nice fourth down plays, including one where he broke up a fourth down pass from Aaron Rodgers at Lambeau Field. You don't see very many rookie corners making plays like that. He's also played some in the slot. He's played some right cornerback, so he's got some versatility to go with his feisty, aggressive playing style. This was kind of an odd pick for the Seahawks last year in the fourth round coming out of Oklahoma because Trey Brown is not a big cornerback. They typically have looked for outside corners that are above six foot tall, that have long arms. And Trey Brown didn't check off either one of those boxes, but at the same time, he really checks off every other box. This kid is physical. He loves to mix it up in the line of scrimmage. He can press cover. He can play in the slot. 
He can play special teams. He's a really sound tackler. He loves to stick his head into the fight as a run defender. So he really checked off every single other box. And with his quickness, his change of direction skills, really a good fit at any of the cornerback spots. And he played really well for the Seahawks in his five games last year before going down for the season. Who knows what he's going to look like when he first gets back into game action. And who knows if the Seahawks are going to be throwing him right into the mix defensively. Again, Mike Jackson has played really well in the first 10 games of the season. Tariq Woolen's got the right cornerback spot on lockdown. And Kobe Bryant has improved at the slot corner position and come up with some really big plays as a rookie. So right now there's not an open door for Trey Brown to get back into the lineup. But remembering how he played last year, if he is able to return to form and not show any signs of issue coming back from the injuries, playing like he did last year, then he has an opportunity. And I would think that Pete Carroll is probably going to approach this the way that he's approached the corner position the last couple of years. And this was not his way of doing things his first 10, 11 seasons on the sideline for the Seahawks. He did not like rotating cornerbacks within games. He had his two outside corners and his slot corner. He wanted to stick with those three players but we've seen a little bit of a change in the last couple seasons. Last year, he was starting to mix in Trey Brown as a rookie with Sidney Jones just to see where he fits in. This year, Mike Jackson subbed out in a few games, and Sidney Jones, who's now on the Raiders, was released after the trade deadline. Not a spot for him. Good player, but just was out of the fold. He was rotating in at left corner with Jackson a few games, and Artie Burns also rotated into the game or two. So Pete Carroll has shown that he's willing to do that, and I would think with how highly this coaching staff regards Trey Brown and his unique skill set and just how much they appreciate the way he plays the game, that there's going to be an opportunity for him to get right into the mix competing for snaps at left corner, and they might do some rotating early on. And if he plays really well, he might start cutting into Mike Jackson's workload, and who knows where it goes from there. But if you can get rookie version of Trey Brown back, He's got a real chance to make things interesting on the left side and make a talented young secondary even better for the second half stretch run. So this could potentially be a really big addition to Seattle's roster at this stage of the season without making any deals in the trade deadline. And they had a few other injured players that may be getting close to coming back. Didn't get any updates today from Pete Carroll on Alton Robinson or Daryl Johnson, the two edge defenders, but they both are now past their window where they can be activated to return to practice. And Carroll's made it sound like, at least in Robinson's case, that he was getting close. So we may see him back on the practice field next week when they're preparing to play the Raiders on November 27th. And if they can get him back into the fold with his pass rushing ability, a solid edge defender against the run as well, he might be another nice reinforcement to add that isn't a trade deadline pickup, but a really nice add-on to their defense depth-wise in the second half of the season. We'll see what the Seahawks choose to do, but this has been a long journey back for Trey Brown. Happy to see him back on the field after grinding the last couple of months on the pup list, just trying to get over the top with his recovery so that he could return to the field. Finally reached that point a few weeks ago. Hasn't had a setback since he returned to the practice field. The Seahawks and Pete Carroll, they're really excited to see what he can do and where he fits in. We'll see what happens. He might just end up being a special teams player. Maybe he gets into the mix in the slot or at left corner, but you can guarantee that Pete Carroll is going to be giving him an opportunity to compete, and this kid is going to take advantage of it and do everything he can to try to get back on the field. And that's an exciting development for the secondary moving forward. Entering bye week, it's time for our midseason report card here on Locked on Seahawks. I'm going to be starting with the skill positions, quarterback, 
running back and receiver when we come back on our Tuesday episode of Locked On Seahawks. It may sound crazy, but we're already to week 11 in the 2022 season, and this weekend I'm picking Justin Fields to stay hot and score three touchdowns against the Falcons on the road. That might not seem like a bold leap, but with prize picks, it's easy to play daily fantasy and put those entries to the test. Pick two to five players, and if they score more or less than a prize picks projection, you can win up to 10 times your money on any entry. No competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections available, and prize picks offers projections in any sport that you watch, whether it's NBA, MLB, NHL, even disc golf. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less, and it's that easy. Safe and fast withdrawals and currently operational in over 30 states as well as Canada. Download the PrizePix app or go to prizepix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code Locked On. If you deposit $100, PrizePix will give you $100. If you deposit $50, PrizePix will give you $50. Don't forget to enter the promo code Locked On at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. This podcast is also brought to you by Simply Safe. When it comes to burglars, your home is like the end zone and you need the absolute strongest defense you can muster. This is why I use and trust Simply Safe Home Security. It's Simply Safe, your safety is the only thing that matters. It's cutting edge technology powered by 24-7 professional monitoring agents who always have your back so you always know that your home is safe. Simply Safe keeps my home safe with the best technology available, including the ability to control my system from my phone. I can watch my security cameras in crystal clear HD and use a variety of wide tech sensors for best quality protection. And the best part with 24/7 professional monitoring, Simply Safe agents call you the moment a threat is detected and dispatch police or first responders in an emergency, even if you are not home or can't be reached. You can customize the perfect system for your home in just a few minutes at simplysafe.com slash locked on NFL. Save 20% on your Simply Safe security system when you sign up for an interactive monitoring plan and get your first month free. Visit simplysafe.com slash locked on NFL to learn more. There's no safe like Simply Safe. You're listening to the Tuesday edition of Locked On Seahawks. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Thanks to all the 12s out there, as always, for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. And our new listeners, thanks for jumping on board, and uh, hopefully you enjoy the show. For your second listen today, make sure to check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast from the games that matter to the most, uh, to the biggest stories in sports. Go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports Today, it's available on this app. YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we're now heading into the bye week. And technically, if you're a math person, I'm not a math person. There's a reason I was a social studies teacher before I became a sports writer. I'm not a math teacher, but we are past the midway point. If you want to call it a midway point, we have an odd number of games now. We do have 18 weeks in the season. We're now going into week 11 so it's a little bit past the midseason point, but the Seahawks have a bye week right in the middle. It's the perfect time to evaluate where this Seahawks team is at from a position-by-position position standpoint with some midseason report cards. And we're going to start today on the offensive side of the football, and we'll start off our segment here with the skill positions. We're going to start with what was at one point the biggest question mark for the Seattle Seahawks going into this season, the quarterback position, Russell Wilson gets traded to the Denver Broncos for a boatload of picks and a trio of veterans in March. 
most experts expected the Seahawks to take a huge step back at the quarterback position with number three gone for the first time in a decade and either Geno Smith or Drew Locke replacing him. Man, most people were way off. In fact, I think everybody was way off in terms of what Geno Smith was expected to do and what he actually has done so far this season, leading the Seahawks to a six and four start. And this is one of the easiest ones for me to grade. And I'm usually a pretty strict grader, but Geno Smith has been one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL this year. You look at the metrics. He's first in the league at 72.8% completion rate. He's second in the NFL in passer rating 108. He has 218 rushing yards this year, a 17 to 4 touchdown to interception ratio. There's some things that you can nitpick. He's in the top 10 for touchdown passes, but he's not necessarily having a dominant season in that regard. He has had more turnovers in recent weeks. We saw the fumble in the red zone on Sunday against the Buccaneers, and that was a critical turnover. Had a pick six the week before. So it does seem like Geno has made a few more mistakes, has been a little more rattled in the last couple of weeks, and yet. He keeps showing resolve and resiliency and finding ways late in games to will his team back in, or in the case of week nine, end up finishing off the Cardinals after they take a 14-10 lead on the pick six, three straight touchdown drives that he orchestrates. He led two touchdown drives in the fourth quarter, nearly came back to beat Tom Brady and the Buccaneers on Sunday. So we keep seeing him fight back when he does have to face adversity. And a lot of that has to do with just his background, being a backup in the NFL for seven years with three different teams. He's had to be resilient to stick around in the league and wait for this opportunity that maybe he at one point didn't think was going to happen. But anyway, slice it. He has been making difficult throws all season long. He has two or three throws every single game that make your jaw drop a little bit. And I never anticipated that we would see that, especially because he played well in training camp, but it's not like there were precursors in those training camp practices that suggested anything was going to happen like we've seen in the regular season. There's just been a switch that has come on ever since really week three after they had that tough loss in Santa Clara against the 49ers the week before. Ever since then, he's really been firing on all cylinders for the most part. There's been some bumps in the road, but he's had an excellent season. When you consider the expectations, where he stands against quarterbacks like Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes, there are categories he is better than those two quarterbacks this year. He's given them some value as a runner that nobody anticipated he was going to, though Pete Carroll has said we want less designed runs for him. They don't want him taking so many hits moving forward. That has been helpful for the offense, his ability to scramble and pick up first downs, pick up yardage when he needs to use his legs. And so he's had a really good season, and there's a reason he's been listed as an MVP candidate. He deserves that rock-solid A for his performance these first 10 games. The rest of the season, the expectations are going to be heightened a little bit with how he's played, but so far he has handled everything that's been thrown at him, and that is a big reason why the Seahawks have surprised everybody. And they're two games above 500, sitting in first place in the NFC West. As for the players that Geno's been handing off to this year, really was disappointing in their Week 5 game against the Saints that Rashad Penny goes down. When you consider the way that he started the season, it looked like he finally was going to have that breakout year coming off those fantastic six games to finish last season. Got off to a pretty good start, and then... He breaks his ankle. His season is over. And some people pointed that, oh, no, the Seahawks running game isn't going to be able to figure things out now. Well, that has not been the case because they drafted Ken Walker the third in the second round in April's draft, and he's proven in his own way 
to be a dynamic playmaker, one of the best running backs in the NFL since he stepped into the starting lineup in week six. The Seahawks have gone four and one since he entered the starting lineup with Sunday's loss to the Bucks being the only blemish on that record. Didn't have a good game on Sunday, but you just look at the stats that this running back room has put together. 10 rushes of 20-plus yards between Ken Walker III and Rashad Penny this season. That ranks among league leaders for a duo in the backfield. Four touchdowns of 36 or more yards. We've seen the game-breaking ability of Rashad Penny the last two seasons when he's been healthy, but Ken Walker III has been just as dynamic of a home run hitter, had a long touchdown run against the Saints, had another long touchdown run to put away the Chargers a couple weeks later. So he has been a home run hitting threat for the Seahawks ever since coming into the lineup. And between those two, they're averaging 5.24 yards per carry. If there's anything that brings this grade down, you could look at the fact that Penny got hurt, the durability aspect. I didn't put too much weight into that, especially with how well Ken Walker III has played. The issue has been pass protection. You look at the numbers. Ken Walker III this year has already given up six quarterback pressures, according to Pro Football Focus, and that matches what I've seen on film. This was the weak point in his game coming out of Michigan State. I think he is showing signs of improvement, but he's still missing blitz pickups. There are still some technique things that he needs a lot of work on. He's got to iron those out before he can be a true every down back. Even Travis Homer, when he's been healthy, has not been up to his usual standards. You see some plays where he looks like his old self, and then he'll miss an assignment or he'll whiff on a blitzer coming into the backfield. And Rashad Penny, before his injury, was very up and down with that. So pass protection, that has been something that's a little bit shaky for the running back group in general. I know that Pete Carroll and running backs coach Chad Morton want that area to get better moving into the second half of the season. They believe that Walker is going to get there. Rashad Penny has improved a lot in that aspect of his game since when he came to the league and really had no experience in doing that coming out of San Diego State. And Travis Homer and DJ Dallas, they played at Miami where they seem to kick out running backs that excel in pass protection year in, year out. So those two guys are usually pretty well refined. But that has been an area that's been a little disappointment, uh, a little disappointing to this point. But... In terms of running the football, the Seahawks have been able to get the job done. Blocking hasn't always been there for these guys, but they've been generating explosive plays, a lot of chunk plays, running hard, making defenders miss, breaking tackles. And so that's why I'm giving them a solid B plus because this is as dynamic of a running back group as they're going to find. It's too bad that Penny won't play again the rest of the season, but they're lucky that they picked Ken Walker the third to continue the fireworks in the backfield. And let's go to the outside now, the receiver position. And this was the opposite of quarterback going into this year. Everybody had questions about the QB position, but if Geno Smith or Drew Locke was going to be successful, a big reason for that was going to be the receivers the Seahawks have at their disposal. And DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett are not having the best seasons of their career, statistically. And yet at the same time, both of them are in the top 20 in the NFL in receiving yardage by wide receivers this year. So maybe they're not in the top 10 like some people would like to see them, but they are still very productive. The two of them seem to have improving chemistry with Geno Smith. And thanks to the emergence of Marquise Goodwin, they've got three receivers with at least three receiving touchdowns. Now, you can look at that two different ways. Lockett and Metcalf don't have quite as many scores as what they've had in the past playing with Russell Wilson. At least they're not on pace for that. But still, Tyler Lockett's on pace for almost 10 touchdowns. DK Metcalf right now is on pace for 
seven and a half, and he's got a chance to have a couple big games down the stretch to get back towards double digits. So really the numbers are not that far off if they can get a little bit going in the touchdown category in the second half. But Marquise Goodwin's got three so far, and he's given them another option for Geno Smith to throw the football to. Big reason why I'm going with a B-plus here is the disappointment of not being able to get anything from D. Eskridge. And, and maybe I was wrong to think that they were going to get more from him this year in his second season. There were some signs when he came back from his injury early in the year, had, had a really good game early in the season at home, uh, their first matchup against the Cardinals. It looked like he was starting to come around, but that's been the story of D. Eskridge's career to this point, is he'll have one game like that. It was the 49ers game at home last year, and then he just kind of disappears, and that's been the case here the last – Three or four games have seen very little from him. You'd love to see the former second round pick start to contribute, and that has not happened. So I didn't weigh that too much on the grade because Marquise Goodwin has stepped up. Jarek Young has played well on special teams, but you'd really like to see Eskridge start to figure things out so that he can become that yards after the catch weapon and maybe get some big plays downfield. We just haven't seen any signs really that that is coming yet, aside from that one game against the Cardinals. So that's why they're a B plus, but Metcalf and Lockett, they are still elite talents and they're playing like it, especially as of late when they've been racking up touchdowns. Well, not playing at 100% health. I'm going to continue the report card coming up next, going from the skill positions to the trenches, going to look at tight ends. They get plenty of blocks in there as inline blockers and the guards, centers, and of course the two rookie tackles for the Seahawks as well. Continuing our midseason report card on the offensive side of the football. We'll get to those here in a moment. This episode is brought to you by Built Bar. If you're a Built Bar fanatic like myself, you need to get your hands on Built Bar's new reimagined flavors, cookie dough topper, coconut brownie bar, and coconut brownie topper. White chocolate peppermint granola is also available. It's Built's take on the granola bar, so it's more filling and still insanely tasty. And candy cane brownie is now in a puff. It's like biting into the universe's most delicious cloud. For anyone who hasn't tried Built Bars before, they're literally the best tasting protein bars ever built. They're revolutionizing nutrition as we know it. 100% real chocolate, 17 grams of protein, and shockingly low sugar and calories. 130 calories to be exact. So sink your teeth into that first bite and it'll change your life forever. I'm not kidding. There will be a time that you've tried these new Built Bar flavors and you're going to enjoy the magical, wonderful time afterwards. You're probably wondering which new flavor is my favorite and unanswerable questions, to say the least. They're all unbelievable and they're all different. So you got to get a mix box and try all five flavors for yourself at Built. You got to try this. Get 15% off your order right now by using the code LOCKEDON15 at built.com. That's LOCKEDON15 to get 15% off your order at built.com. You're listening to the Tuesday edition of Locked on Seahawks. This is your host, Corbin Smith. Thanks to all the 12s out there, as always, for making Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. And for your second listen, make sure to check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast. They've got the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. It's available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. We're officially to bye week for the Seahawks, week 11. No games coming up this weekend. And for a lot of fans, you know, that's disappointing. They want to see their Seahawks playing at the same time much-needed rest for these players, and so they're going to be taking advantage of that opportunity before getting into the second half of their schedule, starting with the Raiders coming to town in Week 12. 
With it being a bye week, we don't have a game to prepare for, so it's time for midseason report cards. I just went through my grades, some in-depth analysis on the quarterback, running back, and receiver positions. Now we're going to go to the trenches, and we're going to start with a position that is a skill position but also blocks in line, and the Seahawks have been doing that a lot with their tight ends this year. And in my opinion, aside from Geno Smith, who obviously has been way better than anybody could have anticipated, this is the other group on Seattle's offense that – I decided to give an A grade to. I'm giving them an A minus. I think this is one of the best, if not the best, groups of tight ends in the NFL. I think there are teams that have more elite individual talent at the top of their depth chart, but with Noah Fant, Kobe Parkinson, and Will Disley, the Seahawks have a trifecta of tight ends that can all catch the football. They can all create after the catch in their own different ways. They all have improved at blocking. Will Disley's always been a natural at that, but Noah Fant and Colby Parkinson have made major strides in that regard. Fant in his first season with the Seahawks looks like a different player in line blocking. I've been really impressed by his growth. Colby Parkinson, it's hard to believe that this is the same kid that came in the league a couple years ago and battled those foot injuries and was known as just a six foot seven wide receiver that had a tight end label on him. He has become a true all-around tight end. And so I'm giving this group an A-. minus. I think they've been one of the best position groups for the Seahawks this year. You've got two players in this group in Will Disley and Noah Fant who are in the top 20 in receptions at the tight end position. And their other player, Colby Parkinson, he's not getting as many targets as Disley and Fant, but he ranks fourth among qualified tight ends in yards per catch 13.2 yards. He's had some big plays as a receiver this year, showing off that 4.7 speed with his six foot seven frame. That is a matchup problem. And really the big reason I just mentioned this a moment ago, that this group grades this well. From a receiving standpoint, they've been good, maybe not elite, but these three together, it's been one of the most productive tight end groups out there. But where they've really shined, and I mentioned it with Fant as well as Parkinson, They've really improved as blockers, and that has given Shane Waldron a lot of flexibility with what he can do offensively and schematically. And they've been running a lot of 12 personnel. They've been running a lot of 13 personnel with three tight ends on the field. And that really complicates things for the defense when you have three capable tight ends that are dangerous as receivers and can also block. And Seattle's been leaning on that a lot this year. You can tell Shane Waldron has taken full advantage of the personnel at his disposal. He's got all these tight ends healthy. They can do a little bit of everything. They're unique players compared to one another, but they all can block, they can all catch, and they can all create after the catch. And so Geno Smith's been more than willing to throw the football to these players. There have been games where the tight ends have been the the number one receiver for the Seahawks this season. There's been several games like that. And so it's a big changeup from Russell Wilson where a lot of times he didn't seem to use his tight ends very much even when there there was a lot of talent at the position group, didn't always take advantage of that. But Geno Smith is doing that. We're seeing these tight ends come through with big plays in the passing game every week, and especially with Fant and Disley, or Fant and Parkinson. We're seeing these two players really grow as blockers, and that's getting more snaps for them on the field because the more you can do, the more you're going to be out there. And so the Seahawks continue to play all three of these guys. It has been one of their best position groups, and it's nice to see them being maximized by the offensive coordinator, as well as the quarterback in the passing game. Now let's get to the offensive line. Going to start in the interior. 
with the guards and centers. And this was a group that I was kind of curious to see what they would look like when the season opened because Gabe Jackson, the veteran at right guard, was coming off knee surgery, but he looked healthy in training camp. Many were wondering after last year giving up almost 40 pressures in pass protection, maybe he's on the wrong side of 30. And at times this year, it has still looked like that. But since they started doing a platoon with him and uh, Phil Haynes at right guard, to keep both of them fresh. I feel like both guys have been playing better and that's not usual. Normally if you're rotating linemen, that's a bad thing. Coaches try to avoid that, but it is working for the Seahawks platooning those two players and Austin Blythe in the middle, as much as his lack of size can hinder his game at times, you can't deny how much his communication skills and knowledge of this offense have helped the rest of the offensive line. That by itself has made him an upgrade over Ethan Posick, the former starter. And so with that being said, I'm going to give this group a C plus. It's a passing grade. They have been solid. I am really encouraged by what I've seen from Damian Lewis the last couple of games. I think Lewis has played two of the best games of his NFL career the last couple of weeks and he's allowed nine pressures the entire season. He's in the top 10 among guards in the NFL, according to Pro Football Focus. Austin Blythe has given up 10 at the center position. So both of these players have done well in pass protection. Gabe Jackson, it's been much tougher. On just 232 pass pro snaps, he has yielded 20 pressures. But it, it really does seem like since he came back from his hip injury a few weeks ago that he is playing a little bit better. And you can say this about Haynes and Lewis. Those two are 22nd and 23rd, respectively, in the run-blocking grade department for Pro Football Focus. And you watch in the film, I've been impressed by Phil Haynes' run-blocking dating back to the end of last year. And I think that he has been an upgrade over Gabe Jackson in that department. And honestly, he's been better statistically in pass protection as well. So I kind of wondered if Phil Haynes is going to take over this job. And at the same time, as I mentioned, they're both playing well with this platoon. So I don't know that the Seahawks are planning to move away from that. It looks like those two are both going to continue to see reps there. And Damian Lewis playing really well on the left side. He's been opening up holes in the run game. They've been getting him on the move as a pulling guard. Some, and he seems to love doing that. He's kicking guys off the line of scrimmage, getting to the second level climbing up and making blocks. Again, he has looked really good, as good as I have seen him the last couple of weeks. So there's reason to believe this grade could go up in the second half of the season, but they've been very uneven in the run blocking department. There's been some injuries sprinkled in there, and pass protection has also been a bit of a roller coaster, particularly for Gabe Jackson. Blythe has not been as good in the run game as he has been in pass protection, and that can be expected. That has never necessarily been a strength in his game, and Facing bigger defensive tackles, he can be overmatched at times. But still, I think when you look complete package, he has been an upgrade over what Seattle previously had. And the communication has helped the entire offensive line. So I'm going to give him a steady C+. And now let's get to those rookie tackles now to cap off our midseason offensive grades. And I'm going to give him a solid B. And expectations going into this year, nobody really knew what these two rookies, Charles Cross and Abe Lucas, were going to accomplish. And Lucas actually went into training camp as the number two right tackle behind Jake Curhan. And for a good portion of camp, that's where he stayed. But by the time they got to the second preseason game, it looked like he had a leapfrog Curhan. And that proved to be the case. He was a week one starter along with Cross. Only the third time that we have seen two rookie tackles for the same team starting in week one since the merger in 1970. And all those guys have done 
They are both getting 70-plus grades in pass protection from pro football focus. They have each given up four sacks, and that might seem like a fair amount in 10 games, but they have been really solid, especially Lucas. He's only given up 15 pressures so far this season. And so these guys are playing well, and they're getting after in the run game. There certainly are areas for improvement, particularly when you're looking at Charles Cross. And this has played out kind of how I expected based on training camp, how it went. It looked like Abraham Lucas was further along in the run blocking department. You can see that in the preseason games. Cross is going to get there, and you're seeing flashes when he's zone blocking with his athleticism, his basketball background, those sweet feet that he plays with. He can win, and he can win the positioning battle against NFL defenders. Where he's going to have to have improvements when they're trying to do some gap runs, and he has to really show off his strength and physicality bully opponents bit that is not part of his game yet he's going to have to add a little bit of weight to his frame and I expect that's going to happen as he progresses in his career this is a very young tackle 21 years of age very young to be starting in the NFL at left tackle so he's going to get stronger he's going to get bigger and he's going to improve as a run blocker I feel like Lucas is much further along and we've seen that in these games the Seahawks have been able to run fairly well to the right side behind him and he's got a lot of room to grow too in that department both these players come from pass happy offenses either run gun or air raid offenses these guys were in systems where they hardly ever ran uh were were on run blocking duty and they didn't get a lot of opportunities to do that so for them to play the way they have so far there are certainly big areas to improve as run blockers but the pass protection has been there and these two have handled the adversity when it's been thrown at him charles cross had that preseason game where i think he had five penalties and he came back to the next home game and i don't think he had any so he rebounded from that abe lucas had a rough game a few weeks ago where he struggled in the run blocking department came right back the next week and played really well so these two every time there's been adversity every time that they've had those lumps as a rookie, they have been able to bounce back and certainly having a center like Austin Blythe to communicate with them. That's helped them a lot as well. But these two, the sky is really the limit for them and they're already playing at a pretty high level as rookie tackles in the NFL. And so I'm going to give that group a solid B and they get a chance by the end of the year to maybe get up to a B plus if we see some strides in the run blocking department or they cut down a little bit in the sacks. Again, four apiece, that's not very many. They've been pretty darn good as rookies, better than I think most people could have hoped for, and they're going to keep getting better, especially with the coaching of Andy Dickerson. This is a great opportunity for the Seahawks. It looks like they already have their bookends for maybe the next decade of the two tackle spots. That is a home run draft by itself, not even including the running back, Ken Walker the third, and all the other good players they brought in, but getting those two tackles the first three rounds, absolute home run for the offensive line, and they look set for the long haul at those positions as always you can follow me on twitter at corbin smith nfl check out locked on seahawks and apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, spotify and streaming five days a week on youtube coming up tomorrow i'll be rejoined by rob rang wasn't able to join tonight's episode unfortunately and the two of us will be dishing out our mid-season awards so who's been seattle's mvp defensive player of the year top rookie most improved we're gonna be looking at those awards and a bunch of others on tomorrow's show you won't want to miss it Thanks for listening in. Enjoy the rest of your Tuesday. Go Hawks.